Are you ready, Ma? Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Let's go. Let's go to Minnesota. Don't you know? I can't help it. 1987 Minnesota. Jerry Lundegaard is a car salesman in Minnesota who has gotten himself into debt and is so desperate for money that he hires two dogs to kidnap his own wife. Jerry will collect the ransom from her wealthy father, paying the thugs a small portion. Did I go into like an Irish? Did I go into Irish? Father. Oh, Jesus, Mary, and Fook and Joseph. Uh, paying the thugs a small portion for keeping the rest to satisfy his debts. What can go wrong? We are doing the 1996 movie Fargo. It's confusing because it's set in 1987. But it was made in 1996. Yes. Particulars. The f release of Fargo in the United States, it was released on March 8th, 1996. Produced by Ethan Cohen. Directed by Joel Cohen. Um, Joel Cohen, they're brothers, known collectively as the Cohen brothers. Joel is three years older than Ethan. I thought that that made me chuckle when I did the particulars because I was like, <laughs> that's why he's the director. <laughs> ah. It's written by Joel and Ethan Cohen. They also did Raising Arizona, The Big Lebowski, which is the movie they did right after this, oh. No Country for Old Men, True Grit. And coming up, they have a film coming out called The Tragedy of Macbeth. And it's starring Francis McDormand and Denzel Washington. What? Yeah. And it's oh, it's Macbeth. Wow. And we basically did Macbeth in Kurosawa's Throne of Blood. Yes. So yes. count me in. Music by Carter Burwell. He's done every Coen Brothers movie except for Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? and Inside Lewin Davis. He also did Gods and Monsters, Carol, Being John Malkovich, Twilight, and on TV, The Morning Show and Space Force, just to name oh, a few. He did the music for The Morning Show? Yes. I loved that music so much that I went to look at the... Oh, I thank you. Um, that I went... That's a huge drink. It's going to have fun tonight, people. That I went to listen. Like, I pulled up the soundtrack on Spotify. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he's good. This is just a small portion of the films that he's done. Um, the director of photography is Roger Deakins. He also, listen to the, because Roger Deakins has done so many films. These are just a few. And if this is just your few that I'm picking, that lets you know what a career you've had. He, uh, by the way, he's been nominated 15 times for an Academy Award, and he's won the Oscar for Best Cinematography twice. So wow. he's done The Shawshank Redemption, <gasps> A Beautiful Mind, Skyfall, No Country for Old Men, and he won the Oscar for Blade Runner 2049 
and a little film called 1917 that you may have wow. heard. He's also done so many other movies. Seriously, this guy is amazing. He's one of the living legends What's up his there. Name? Roger Deakins. Okay. He's one of those that his, his CV is going to last the test of time. He's a living treasure right now. Edited by Roderick Janes, who is an elderly British man in his late 80s, except he's not. Roderick Janes is actually the Coen brothers. Ah, uh, yes. Oh. I did read that. And um, he, they're like, well, who is this Roderick James? And they, they were, they had this whole charade going on for a little while in Hollywood where people were like, who is he? And they would make up the story. They said that he was a crankarious, elderly British guy and stuff. Um, they made him up because they realized that by writing, producing, directing, and editing, that their name was just going to be all over the credits, and they thought it was a bit too much. So they came up with the name, and Roderick Janes has been nominated for two <laughs> Academy Awards. <clears throat> Starring the cast, American Treasure, Frances McDormand as Marge Gunderson. She is one Grammy short of the EGOT. She's got the oh, Emmy. Wow. She's got the Oscar. She's got a Tony. We just need her to just read a book on tape. And there you go. Get that woman the Grammy. She was also in Blood Simple, Mississippi Burning, Almost Famous, North Country, the upcoming The French Dispatch, which is Wes Anderson's movie that oh, was wow. supposed to be out in July. And I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting. And the mentioned previously by me, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Nerd oh, alert. And she's in that. That's she. That's her in Three Billboards Outside of mm -hmm. Yes. She aged, huh? Well, yeah. I mean, she still looks great. It's, it's time. This, this yeah. She's only 63. <laughs> a lot of us have aged a lot. You look a lot younger than her. That's what I was waiting for. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Nerd alert. I mean, I mean they, they didn't do her any favors on that movie either. No, and no, I think that's... They, they wanted her to look real... Because she'd, she'd been through a lot. She's also yeah. in a movie called Nomadland, which is getting a lot of uh, awards buzz this year. It's supposed mm. to be very, very good. Um, the Nerd Alert, she was in, when they were in New York City, she was roommate with Holly Hunter. Oh, wow. Holly Hunter. Googling. Oh, man. Holly Hunter just. Amazing. Oh, no idea who she is. Holly Hunter? Well, I knew her from the... the 100%. No, that's my film that ripped off. The Oh, she's in Raising Arizona? Yeah, Texas Cheerleading, Murdering Mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, she's great. <clears throat> the Incredibles. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you know her voice. Mm -hmm. oh, she's, she's, anytime she shows up, she's just... I'm, I'm she all in. Up. Mm -hmm. Um, William H. Macy, 
who plays that Jerry. I know. It's Jerry Lundergaard. William H. Macy is 70 years old right now. I My mind was blown. I think William H. Macy is 70? What? He was also in Benny and June, Searching for Bobby Fisher, Boogie Nights. He was arbogast in that Psycho remake. And he's probably best known. Well, there's two things he's probably best known for right yeah, now. Well. One of them, uh, uh, an incident involving his wife and uh, yeah. another as Frank Gallagher in Showtime's Shameless. But he's Which, not married to her anymore. They aren't? Felicity are they? I thought they were still married. Oh, yeah, they are. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was fake news. That was fake news. <laughs> Nerd alert. His father, Bill Sr., has was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross and an Air Medal for flying B-17s, the Flying Fortress, during World War II. And he died in 2007, so therefore, methinks he was probably escorted by the Tuskegee Airmen. Because he came back alive, and I just think it's fitting that William H. Macy is entertaining me. <laughs> You're welcome, Bill. You're welcome. He was also in the first produced episode of Law & Order. Oh, my gosh. I know. I have not seen that. I I need to... It's, it's very hard to find Law & Order season one through... Like seven, yeah. So did they even have an archive back then? <laughs> <laughs> it was the nineties. Yeah, they did. We have Steve Buscemi as Carl. He was in Reservoir Dogs, Con Air, Armageddon, The Big Lebowski, and Boardwalk Empire. Nerd I mean, how many things has he been in? Exactly. Mm -hmm. He was also a New York firefighter from 1980 mm -hmm. to 1984. And he volunteered for a week after 9-11. Oh, wow. I believe it was Engine 55, but I could be wrong. Peter Stormare as Gare. He's a Swedish actor. He was also in The Big Lebowski, Armageddon, Minority Report, and so much television. Mm -hmm. This guy shows up everywhere. Harv Presnell as Wade. I knew him. From as Mr. Parker in NBC's The Pretender, which was on in the 90s. Yes. Yes. He was also in The Unsinkable Molly Brown, Face Off, Saving Private Ryan, and Old School. He was a classical baritone singer. Really? Yeah. Oh. <clears throat> um, I think in this movie kind of brought him back into getting roles and stuff as because when he shows up as like you're watching in 2020 you i've seen this guy mm. in this kind of role steve revis was shep proudfoot he was also in twins posse and the longest yard and in real life he was a member of the blackfoot tribe hmm. so that was interesting john carroll lynch is norm gunderson that's the husband of marge 
He was in, this guy's been in everything, man. He's in Shutter Island, Crazy Stupid Love. And most recently, I saw him in the tri- trial of the Chicago 7. He's also in Big Sky, if you're watching that right yes. now. Yes. He's just mm-hmm. everywhere. <clears throat> Steve Park as Mike Yaganita. He's a Korean American. He was also in Do the Right Thing, Falling Down, A Serious Man, In Living Color, and also the upcoming The French Dispatch. In 1997, he called for Hollywood to portray people of Asian descent in a less disparaging light after an incident he witnessed while guest starring on Friends. Quote, In movies and television, aging characters, mostly men, are subjected to indignity and violence or are tokenized, while Asian women are exploited as objects of sexual desire. You rarely see Asian characters in leading roles that contain any significant power or influence. Man. I mean, how how long have we been doing this show? What, 148 episodes? And we can count on less than one hand, any Asian actresses or actors that we've had, I can Mm -hmm. don't age the the biggest Asian presence of films outside of films by Asian directors like Kurosawa and stuff would be the, um, who he was the first person that we put in the super problematic gone with the bushes in breakfast at Tiffany's Uh, um, Mickey Rooney. Doing that, like, what is this? It was horrible. horrible. And, I mean, that representation is, I mean, jeez. Wow. Just wow. So those are the particulars. Well, we start off with um, a disclaimer up on the screen that says, this is a true story. The events depicted in this film took place in Minnesota. In 1987, at the request of the survivors, the names have been changed. Out of respect for the dead, the rest has been told exactly as it occurred. But it's not a true story. <clears throat> but it we could start be. With- I was listening to a podcast uh, about this called Show Me the Meaning. Um, and... They had, I think, like, four people on the podcast, and, like, one girl had never seen the movie, and they had very polarizing opinions about this. Wow. And the girl on there was, like, she was, like, this didn't change at all, like, how I viewed the movie, like, not 0.01%. And I was, like, you know what? I agree with her. Right. But then they kind of decided, they kind of were, like, well, maybe in 1996 it would have been different because this was like you know that was when like a dramatizing real life events was really big and things like that so watching it with 2020 eyes is kind of like eh, like do you really need that does it add anything does it really right. change the way you watch the movie i don't think so plus i kind of forget that it's i forgot that it was there yeah <laughs> i the reason that i remember that it was there is because it's the same what what is it like conceit or the same thing that they use in the television show mm-hmm. Fargo yeah. how they always put it up there and because you you'll read and sometimes people will point to different crimes that have happened but it's just very sad 
and it's a sad state of affairs as in terms of violence against women because while you can say oh this isn't a true story it's a guy tried to get mm-hmm. tried to kidnap and his wife ended up dead unfortunately you know throw a rock there's so many stories where you can yeah, say oh it was loosely based on this because it's happened so many times Thank well you and the one story was what that somebody really did throw his wife in a wood chipper mm-hmm. yeah i mean why wouldn't you don't I you mean, know yeah <laughs> um well and i feel like the tv show they've started to try to actually draw more real tr- true stories into it like base it around events mm-hmm. they'll sprinkle in characters yeah. and references and stuff okay well we start with snow lots of snow um i'm sorry i just have to butt in here and say that i was so cold watching this movie <laughs> Teeny, yeah. mission accomplished. I had on a thinking cap. I had on a fleece jacket. I was under a blanket, just freezing. Yeah. How, however, uh, Tasty Nugget, this was the Cohen brothers are from Minnesota, North Dakota. They're from somewhere there. That w- one up of the, there. They're Those- from around there. And 1995 was the fifth warmest winter. So they had to do a lot of fake snow mm-hmm. and change. And like, there was one scene where he was like doing something. And <laughs> they were like, yeah, normally he would have was wasting snow. Yeah. 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 Which I mean, it, but I didn't know that until after I watched it. And when we were watching it, like, that was clearly enough snow for me. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Just um, marveling. I was like, y- y'all know you don't have to live like that, right? And then I was like, shh, right. don't say it so loud. <laughs> okay, we see headlights coming through the snow. We see somebody driving. Then we see all white and a truck pulling. And great music, Ma. The music just, it just, I love it. I just rewatched it. You just put it on. It's just the white of the snow and just the, the, the music. It just gets you into this mood of ominousness and what's going on. And as soon as the car comes up over it, it that's when the music swells. And, oh, man. I was like, oh, man, yes. Well, this car pulls into the King of Clubs, which is a bar and there are pool tables and we see a much younger William H. Macy, who is Jerry Lundegaard. And he meets these two guys, Steve Buscemi and um, Carl Gayer. And he's asking, are we all set? So they're supposed to be getting uh, a new vehicle plus $40,000. Um but they don't get it all at once because they get the vehicle. But then once the deed is done, they're going to get their $40,000. They don't like that. They want to be paid up front for their shenanigans. Because they're saying, you know, how can we trust you? You want your own wife kidnapped. <laughs> and How can you the, trust us? We're going to kidnap your wife. <laughs> the ransom is $80,000. 
but his father-in-law is rich. So he's going to give half to the kidnappers and keep, keep half to get out of his debt. Um, you get 40, we get 40. Um, I need money. And he's saying his dad is real well off. They don't. Oh, they don't know. Uh, the dad doesn't know that. Jerry. Jerry needs the money for personal matters. Okay. Then we see a sign to Minneapolis. Minneapolis. How to say it minneapolis minneapolis <laughs> thank you minneapolis okay um saying welcome back jerry's home and um the wife goes great great dad's here watching hockey gene is the wife right and scotty is their son and dad is staying for supper and the son is just going to go to McDonald's instead. Um, oh, uh, and so Jerry starts talking to his father-in-law about this deal he's got. He's got this deal that he wants his father-in-law to go in with. $750,000, um, late 50s, lost a lot of money. Um, the father-in-law had lost a lot of money on a deal that didn't go well. In the and late so he's 50s? Really... What did I say? Yeah, in the late 50s. Yeah, it was the late 50s. Okay, so um, we have Carl and Gail. Carl is Steve Buscemi. B. And um, the, the Swedish guy is gay air. Gay air. I thought it was Gail, but it's not. And they are discussing <laughs> pancakes. Um, the um, Swedish guy really likes his pancakes. Jerry Lundegaard, we get back to him. He's a car salesman. And there are people, back in the day, you had to haggle like that when you bought a car. I remember going to that and, like, my dad was trading his car in. And why they brought a child with them, I don't know. And he was like, yep, never been in an accident. And I'm sitting there and I was like, yes, you have, remember? <laughs> I got in a lot of trouble. And then I remember, I don't know if it was this trip to the car dealership or another one where he burned me with a cigarette. And it wasn't, a, I mean. <laughs> probably this one. Because. I say that it was on purpose. It wasn't on purpose. It was just like I was too close. But. <laughs> Oh, well, well, I don't know. Maybe looking back on it, maybe it was intentional and it was this trip. Yeah, because, and he was like, well, now we know that who the winners are in this family. <laughs> Not going to talk about that accident again, are you, little girl? <laughs> okay, so there's somebody haggling with Jerry about the price of a car. Then we see Brainerd. Brainerd is a town uh, they say it's the home of paul bunyan but it's really not oh oh yeah um all my tasty nuggets oh okay um so so i so do, do jerry and Jean live in minneapolis or do min i have no idea they or do they live out. in brainerd i think they live in i don't know so 
Gail, Gayer, and Carl are um, getting laid. <laughs> watching the tonight show. <laughs> Gene is talking to Scotty about his grades and telling her there's going to be no ice hockey. No ice hockey. And um, she's saying dad might be interested in the deal. Well, Ship is our Native American, First American, uh, American Indian. He's working on cars, I'm guessing, at the dealership. And and um, so Jerry is saying to him, hey, I might not need that deal to go through anymore. You know, the if if his father-in-law will go in on this deal, then he's not going to need his wife to be kidnapped. Okay, so I'm looking at Google Maps, and it looks as though um, Brainerd is about the midpoint between Minneapolis and Fargo. Oh, Okay. But it's kind of out of the way because uh, from Minneapolis to Fargo, you have 94. But Brainerd isn't on 94. So I don't know. I apologize to any of our Minnesota and North Dakota listeners. That was better. Than- Do you know I know somebody who lives in Minnesota? Do you? Yeah, and do you know what he does? He, he works for United really, Healthcare. <laughs> no, he has an ice car, an ice sculpture carving business. Oh, oh wow. wow! Yeah, it was his dad's business, and um, he, I met him when he was living in North Carolina, and then he moved back home to Minnesota and took over the ice carving business it's really incredible some of the things they do i'm sure Mm -hmm. it is and i mean he has plenty of time to work on it it's not like he has to hurry up before it melts you know right they do like big events and like weddings and stuff Mm. the uh real housewives of anywhere needs his name okay um well jerry's trying to say i might not need my wife uh kidnapped but without saying those words exactly um Oh, and also the important, Shep, when he comes over, when Jerry comes over to Shep, he says, hey, you know, that guy, Carl, I met Carl and, and that other guy, and Shep is like, look, I only vouched for Carl. I don't know yes. this other guy. I only vouched for uh, Carl. He made there. that a point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and Carl's the only one who talks. Gayer doesn't talk. Okay, now Jerry's on the phone about um, financing vehicles, and it's obvious that he has been doing some dirty deeds with financing of vehicles, and um, so the financing company uh, is going to get him in trouble because there's an audit coming. So that's what he needs the money for Hmm. because he's an idiot. Well, yeah, I mean, because somebody has to look at the paperwork and, you know, I, I know some people who it is their job to be like, okay, why did you do what you did? Show it to me. And, you know, people don't really show when they can't produce the proof of why you did it. You got to call them on it. 
just saying. I, I was, I felt my, and I liked how also my guy on the phone, he was very, like, very nice and stuff. And then as it escalates, he's just like, all right, well, I'm going to have to move it on up because this doesn't seem like it's on the up and up. I'm going to escalate. Um, maybe um, it reminded me of Letitia James and how she's going to be escalating soon. Um, okay, well... Now we are back at Jean's house. She's watching a morning show and knitting. And she sees a dude in a ski mask, a black ski mask, <laughs> on her back deck. And so she's kind of freaking out, as you would. And then um, she runs upstairs. Um, wait, um, Gay Carl, somebody breaks in. Oh, Gayer, Gayer grabs her. She runs into the bathroom. She tries to use her landline, and they pull it out of her hands. <laughs> she tries to go out the window, and then you see a crowbar coming through the door, and she's gone, except she wasn't. <laughs> she was in the shower, so she tries to overpower this big, tall Swede. And it just it doesn't go well. She falls down the steps because she's covered in a shower curtain. And, you know, there was all that soap scum on it. All that. Um, well, maybe she, falls she down changed the, steps. the shower curtain. <laughs> Just saying. Sometimes you wash them, sometimes you don't. Okay. Um, Going to get a new one downstairs for you before you come down there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The shower curtain liner. Um Teeny, I can't believe you take sure done. Okay, we're at the father-in-law's office, um, and he, there's going to be a finder's fee for bringing to us your lending money. To, oh, this is all about the. This is all about the deal that Jerry wants his father-in-law to be part of, so that he can pay off this debt he's got. And um, the father-in-law's like. Wait, you want me to finance you? You don't want me to get any money from this. So it it looks like it's not going to happen. Well, because Jerry goes to him. It's something to do with a parking lot deal. Again, in the late 50s, he lost, took a bath on that deal. So he brings it to him. He takes it to his right-hand man. His right-hand man signs off and says, this is actually pretty lucrative. So then the father-in-law goes to Jerry. All right, Jerry, um, we didn't discuss your finder's fee. Because the father-in-law is going to take it over and as a good investment. And he's just going to give Jerry the fee for bringing it to him. And Jerry says, whoa, hold on a second. This was my deal. I just wanted an investment. And like you said, the father-in-law is like, I'm a businessman. What are you talking about? Coming to me? Like, you want me to give you all the money so that you go off and do this? You're not my son. You're my son-in-law. We know how that can be. <clears throat> so next scene, Jerry is coming home with groceries. And and Jerry has to have the hat that has the ear things pulled down. I mean, yeah. they cold. He yeah. looks so dorky. But he had that one hat. The one hat he has, that's the hat that your dad had, that Paul had. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, mm-hmm. not, the, not the one that comes over the flaps. Right. right or like right. the... The, I I don't know. I just call it the older white man hat. There you go. <laughs> it works. Well, Jerry sees the bathroom is in chaos. 
There's a crowbar. There's an open window. The rip shower curtain. He's calling Wade. No, he's practicing. Uh, no, you think he's calling, but he's actually practicing on how to speak to his father-in-law about the fact that his wife is missing and the house is in chaos. Okay. We Wait, see a son. As good as I heard him practicing that, all I could think about was JonBenet Ramsey's parents calling. Mm -hmm. Oh. And how much they practiced. Mm -hmm. Um, so then we see a sign for Brainerd again, and Jean is whimpering in the back seat. A state patrolman comes up with flashing lights because they didn't put tags on the car they stole. Um, no, the that was a, gets, they didn't steal that car. That was the car that, that was a dealer car. Oh, that, that was Jerry the one that, oh, them, oh the and they didn't car. put, yeah, they didn't put the tags on it so the trooper approaches and you just know this isn't going to go well um the trooper asks for his license and registration um so he pulls out his license with a 50 dollars bill and at that point the trooper asks him to step out of the car gene's whimpering in the back so gayer just shoots the trooper in the head and Carl is going to drag him off the road. Another car passes and sees. And so Gayer just takes off. Um, and then the other car is upside down by the side of the road. The driver's running away. And guess what? That person gets shot, too. Then there's a woman in the car. She gets shot, too. And it has been our 40 minutes. Nice. Oh. So that is where we stopped. If we haven't hooked you... Um, well, we haven't done our job. And it's on Netflix. You have until December 31st to watch it. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, you want a white Christmas, watch this. You feel like you're getting your white Christmas. Mm -hmm, totally. Okay. Um, we are two uh, people of color, persons of color. And I had two. I have three. Oh, Plus an additional weird two. So we have the First Nation, Mr. Proudfoot. We have the Korean man, Mike Yanagita. And we have one Jose Feliciano, Puerto Rican. Oh. And the two... They're not people, but did you happen to notice in Jerry's office um, when Marge was there to interview him in the background, there were two very sort of, I thought, weird golf statues in Jerry's office. They seemed very dark, and I was, it was, it was a what is that kind of thing? Mm. Like, I don't know. I didn't know how uncomfortable to be. But oh, okay. I was definitely, they seem to have a lot of melanin in their skin. And it just seemed, oh, that's interesting, Jerry. I, I didn't see that. So. Okay, and um, power of cast. Well, I mean, it's like what Steve said, you know, the the Proudfoot 
he gets shaken down because he has a criminal background and I think he was on parole or something. So he has to talk. And, you know, of course, that goes into especially where they are in that region. Um, you know, the systematic racism that first Americans, mm-hmm. first nation people feel and how they are outnumbered in the legal system um so all of that i was just like ah man that's a tough look where they're in this area and the only you know person representing them is the criminal guy and then like steve was saying about the asian guy like he's he's just this character that shows up and he's mentally unstable so that's tough and there really isn't anything outside of that you know the rest of it's just super white the grandfather who is very rich and I mean, the father-in-law who's very rich and kind of hold like, uh, Jerry doesn't feel like he is keeping his, his father-in-law's daughter to the standard that she should be kept to or something. Yeah. I mean, Jerry is very, um, insecure around his father-in-law yes his father-in-law's a jerk well because his father-in-law is disappointed that his daughter picked this guy like this is the guy that you picked and (laughs) but by all accounts it seemed as though the wife jerry's wife was fine with it Mm -hmm. she wasn't you know needing all of the the riches and everything and i think it's just Jerry, I don't think she knew how in debt they were. Either. Right. I think yeah, that's a. I there's a phrase that I heard recently. Well, not really recently, but whatever. Called uh, Jerry outkicked his coverage. Like he got, <laughs> he 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 got a good catch, and uh, he was just out there with no blockers and just found himself like, well, great. Now what do I do? I'm in way over my head. Um. Okay. So, anything else with that? I mean, it's just very, it's it's all there. We've said it yes, all. Yes, it is. It is. Um, nerd alerts. Okay. 1996, when this movie came out, remember Motorola? Hello, Moto. Mm-hmm. They came out with their StarTac, which was the first clamshell cell phone in 1996. Oh. You know, the, a.k.a. the flip phone. Flip phone, I loved my flip phone. Do you remember this, Mac? And maybe like it affected you as well, Teeny, but I remember because I was in the 11th grade. I was a junior in high school, and we had that huge blizzard. There was, in Philadelphia, there was 30.7 inches, and school was yeah, closed for days. I, um, yeah, I... Yeah. I remember it. I remember that, and my... Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I'd be watching my uh, afternoon soap opera and it would come across Fairfax County Schools are closed again tomorrow. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, my dad had a one of his German coworkers that was always really nice to us was in town, Thomas. And I remember him pulling us around on the, um, what were those things? It looked like a garbage can top, but you paid for it. Oh, the saucer things? Yeah. The saucer. Yeah. No. That was, I think, the the storm where we tried to have Sparky be a sled dog. Sparky was a Cocker Spaniel. Oh, 
<laughs> yeah, and he didn't like his his feet or his belly to be wet. <laughs> but he he was he we got a good a nice fun three feet. It was fun. <laughs> uh, Disney formalized acquiring ABC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Braveheart won the Academy Award for Best Picture, and the top box office uh, pictures of that year of 1996 were Independence Day, Twister, Mission Impossible, and The Rock. Hmm. Oh. And... hmm? The Rock as in um, Alcatraz, right? With Sean Connery. Yes. Okay. Um, Okay. Now this is nerd alert. So we mentioned in the POC count that one Jose Feliciano is in this movie as himself this blew my mind guys did you know of course jose feliciano you think of feliz navidad tis the season did you know that he wrote it in 1970 oh my god i thought that this was like a standard from the 50s kind of era yeah i did too you know Feliz Na- I thought it was maybe huh. something, you know, like, oh. I guess I never thought about it. I never thought about it, but no, I always no, just assumed. I never thought about when that song was written. I just but assumed it, does seem like it was like song. a thing from the 60s, the 50s, 60s. So, um, do you know, it's very simple. Feliz Navidad, Prosperos Años y Felicidad. That that means Merry Christmas, a prosperous year, and happiness. Hmm. He plays the acoustic guitar and a Puerto Rican cuatro. And a cuatro is an instrument that is in the lute family of instruments. And it looks like a guitar-shaped violin. In November 2016, SoundScan had Feliz Navidad as the eighth all-time best-selling Christmas-slash-holiday digital single. And as Cap it's top 25 songs played around the world, Christmas songs played around the world. The original version of Feliz Navidad first charted in the U.S. Billboard's Hot 100 at number 70, the week ending January 10th, 1998. Wow. I know. It's take, it's been a long, slow build for Feliz Navidad. <laughs> In 2018, it became Feliciano's first top 40 hit in the oh Hot 100 God. since 1968. Wow. I'm just, I can't believe it because Feliz Navidad has always been in my Christmas staple. I've always heard it all the time. And I had no idea that it was written in the 70s. I had no idea that it took until 1998 for it to be in the Billboard Top 100. And I know that there's a lot of uh, Latinos, Latinx people, maybe not a lot. I don't know, but listening to her, like, yeah, no duh, no shit, Aaron. We know. (laughs) Exactly. But, wow. Kudos. Because it is one of my favorite Christmas songs. Yeah, I enjoy that one. Um, Other nerd alerts. No, I just I just had to go down the Jose Felici. I couldn't believe it. I'm watching this movie and Jose Feliciano's in it. 
and how does Jose Feliciano, who you think of as Hispanic in some way, um, is doing in Minnesota? Well, he was he was playing. I mean, he was making the rounds because he was also known. I mean, he was more famous for other things. You know, he was like friends yes, with yes. Minnie Ripperton, and he did a cover of the Doors song "Light My Fire." Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. Like Feliz Navidad was just he was doing a Christmas song, and somebody just said, "Hey." Just write, you need another song, just write one. And of course, he just banged it out in five minutes. And there you have it. And I hope he held on to the publishing. <laughs> there, there could have been some lean years there, though. Uh, yeah, okay, apparently. Jeez. 18. Reheatables, uh, negatives. I just got to say it. Oh, wait, is that my LVP? Um, um, yeah, that's my LVP. So I'm not going to say that one. Um, Wade, the father said, uh, you know, 80,000 is a lot. I'll give you $40,000 to get my daughter back. You know. <laughs> He's, oh, you always gotta be, always gotta be bartering. He, he, know, he read the art of the deal, apparently. Um, an accordion. Scotty had an accordion in his house so puppy and i went down a rabbit hole about accordions oh you guys watched it together (laughs) no but i was talking to puppy about the accordion because you don't remember but when you were when we were first back from germany i took you to a plastic surgeon about your sebaceous cyst on your cheek the one i still have yeah because (laughs) okay so the plastic surgeon uh went to my high school. He was in my brother's class. They were friends. And he was like the star athlete. He was a three sport athlete. He like, you know, was on the highest list of every athlete, you know, the whole County. Um, He went to Brown. He became a plastic surgeon. He was very renowned plastic surgeon here in DC. So um, I took you to him because I trusted him and um he said the scar would be bigger than the than the little bump itself to just leave it alone but he played an accordion and he was like you know the big man on campus and he played an accordion (laughs) so it was always like just you know a juxtaposition for me so yeah well if if he was from like a polish or german or even like like Mexico, Southern, like he could be the one that got the party started. It was just, uh, okay. Well, night crawlers. Um, why do I have them negative? I like night crawlers. I used to, I used to go night crawler hunting. You did? Mm -hmm. Those are just big worms, right? Yeah. Big fat worms that fish like when you go fishing. Um, well, you know, the whole kidnapping your spouse for money is kind of a negative. <laughs> Just a touch. And then who says to our our dear friendship, hey, smoke a fucking peace pipe. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. That was that was a bit that was that was not okay. Those are my negatives. I had 
she sat on the couch for way too damn long staring at that guy trying to break <laughs> yeah. into her house. And I get it was trying to be funny, I guess. That was part of the bit. But holy shit, she just sat there watching him. Oh, like, what's, well, what's, what's I think this guy doing? She didn't seem to be... Well, you gotta have better instincts than that. <laughs> Sharp as <laughs> shit. Yeah, and she didn't she seem like... She, yeah, she was knitting. She's, she didn't seem like she was a uh, uh, murderino. And, no. you know... She in that air that part of the of the country, just if we're going by stereotypes, I don't think that she thought, oh, this man is well, gonna... yeah. they're a lot more trusting. I'm I guess. surprised that the, that it that he didn't just try the screen door and it was just unlocked. I know. Yeah. It could have been. Um, Jerry's ice scraper. I feel like if you live in Minnesota, you would have a much better ice scraper. Agreed. That Agreed. was the scene where I, I said to no one out loud, because no one is here, who, who, you don't have to live like that. I, that is something that <laughs> I... He didn't even start his car when he was scraping the ice off of it. Right. I mean, everybody knows that trick. I yeah. don't. People, I think people from North Carolina know that trick. Yeah. I think that if that happens to me now, I would just be like, I don't know what to do. What is this on the windshield? I would just eh, and just go back inside. Why aren't you here? I don't. There's ice on my car. What do you mean? Yeah. Um, Hardee's. I just like as a just a restaurant hardy's they went to hardy's and i was telling adam like i can't there's never been a single time in my life that i've said i think i want to go to hardy's me too like arby's delicious I oh, arby's. sometimes no, mcdonald's arby's. hits right burger king good chicken tendies subway solid sandwich <laughs> hardy's disgusting no there's nothing at hardy's that you want Aaron, what do you want at Hardee's? I I don't know about Hardee's, but I know that Hardee's in California is Carl's Jr. Okay, yeah, but also and I Hardee's get... in Hardee's in North Carolina is Hardee's, but it's so bad that they had to bring a Carl's Jr. to North oh. Carolina too. Like they had to open Carl's Juniors. And state cities where there are already Hardee's. Yeah, I know what Hardee's. you're saying because I wouldn't go to a Hardee's. Like I would go to a Carl's Jr. But Carl's Jr. is pretty yeah. good if you want a no, fast I, food I mean, burger. I don't know. Maybe Hardee's just did their something wrong in life with their advertising, putting their stuff out there. I but. think so. But I mean, even I remember in the '90s, around like when this came out. That I had never, the only time I had heard of Jack in the Box in Virginia was because all those people died from E. coli. And look, Jack in the Box is people still, still went there. People still fucking with Jack in the Box. So, I went to Chipotle at least once every other week, and people were getting all kinds of sick from that. I know. So, what has Hardy, like, Hardy's couldn't bounce back? They should have just completely changed the name to Carl's yeah, Jr. They, they should have. Yeah. I mean, there's still time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just Hardy, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, We're really doing you a favor here. Yeah. The term copy, I just hate because, oh. you know, they were talking to their police people saying copy, oh. copy. And we have to, mm -hmm. we say that at work 
on the stupid oh. walkie-talkies. Oh. And it just, like, resonates into your life. Like, we'll start talking. Then we talk to each other and... Copy that. Say, copy. Copy that. Mm-hmm. And I just hate that. It's yeah. your... It's, for me, the work term that I hate is please advise. Ugh. Oh, I I hate it, and sometimes uh, I have to. Sometimes I have to use it, and I just punch myself in the head. I know. I Ugh. hate. I hate. Um, can we have a one off? Still one off. Oh, that wow. sounds a little risque. It could be. <laughs> Adam and I did have a one off at the work. Um, oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That might, be, okay? that might be one of our best <laughs> <laughs> Adam and I did have a one-off at work. Not, no. <laughs> we never did it work. Oh, my God. Um, the, which leads me to my last negative reheatable, which is their bed frame. Oh, yes. I was like, who? Oh, that's not a bed frame. Shit would be sliding through that. Your pillow would be sliding through that. You hit your head. Your head would be sliding through those things, <laughs> especially when you're having a one-off. <laughs> I'm writing it down. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, let me write that word. <laughs> important. Okay, so are we two positive readables? Oh, I can't yes. wait. No, no I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, one of my negative just technology because um, if this wasn't 1987, Jerry could have easily used a clam flip phone, hello Motorola, and gotten. A hold like it, it was just a way easier now to get a hold of somebody to call off um but, kidnapping we would not have had that scene where she's in the bathroom with the landline and all of a sudden it gets ripped out of her hands and just rushes toward the door because they're pulling the wire from the other side of the door it was i thought it was hilarious well, you still have a landline so it's she probably, they probably still do, but yeah, well, yeah. We live down in the boonies, and sometimes we lose cell service, and we need, you know. Well, I'll have you know that um, Motorola still, when you turn there, they make like Androids now that are Motorola. Mm-hmm. Motorola, and we get them at. We have there are like new registers at work, portable registers at work, and. They still say "Hello, Moto" when you turn them on for the first time. Hello, Moto. Yep, exactly the same. Wow, that is. Cool. It brought me back. Hmm. Um, my battery heatable is, for the most part, the cars of the '80s, the style yeah. of '80s. Mm-hmm. You know, you see, you, you see '50s cars, you see '60s. You know, a few 70s. But for the most part, I don't see anybody. I think the exception would probably be Porsches and Ferraris and Lamborghinis. Then maybe there are a few 80s uh, model years where people are, hey, that's sweet. 
But those cars have not aged well. 80s and 90s. Just, yeah, just so very, boxy. Yes, very, very boxy. Well, we had an Alfa Romeo, so. Yes, yes. It, I had a 1986 Cougar. <gasps> so boxy. It was so boxy. I think that Paul, because this was an Oldsmobile, it seemed like Paul had, didn't Paul have a, a beige Oldsmobile? Yeah. Yeah, because I was, I was like, I wonder if that's the same like car yeah, that he really had. Yeah, kept it for a little while until My, she left the house. Yeah, and then she was like, "I want the punch buggy, the blue punch yeah. buggy." That was her car. They had the duct My, tape holding it together. My parents had an Oldsmobile. I asked them what year it was, but it was a '92. Mm. But it was still just as ugly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, very, just very big fronts. But, uh, it, you know, like how many bodies do you need to fit in the trunk? I mean, you know, it's it's huge, front and back. You have more um, negative reheatables? I did. We already mentioned the first American has a criminal record, and he only vouched for Carl. So bringing Gare into this whole thing, that wasn't him. And I already mentioned how, like, the one Asian man, how he has mental problems. So those were my negative reheatables. Okay, so we are to positives. You know, I like the accent. It's fun. You just, don't you laugh along with it? It's, yeah, I think, oh, I I have in my good reheatables. It's called Nice Minnesota Accent. It's melodic and comes, it has a very significant Norse influence. And that was part of it was like, don't be fooled by the accent. Because people, you you know, you get into that Midwestern, oh, yeah, look, I need you something. Here you go. Oh, take a load off, won't ya? You know? And you think that they're nice, and meanwhile, they're, you know, shanking your back. Ask the first Americans how that accent goes. Yeah, I guess so. You know. Um, I liked, uh, William H. Macy was so good as a bumbling idiot. And snow, I like me some snow. I mean, I don't have to have that much of it, and I don't need to have it that prolonged, but I do like me some snow. I could go for a good blizzard. I was just saying, this year is a good year for a good blizzard. Yeah. Like, let's keep people at home. Let's have a great, a huge blizzard. Everybody has to stay at home for like a week. Two two weeks, like a two week long blizzard. That would really help everything. We already so got. As it's not January twentieth. We want January twentieth to be able to happen. Well, January twentieth will happen re- regardless. I mean, the, the my man gets sworn in. Like you know, it's it's not like we haven't sworn in president. Like we've sworn in presidents on a plane. So well, that's true. It, it's fine. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that would be great. Like here, you know, we got the text message. Stay at home in California. Yeah, but everybody yeah. still is still open. Everything is still open. Like, right? Like, retail is still open. Uh, apparently. I don't know. Apparently, I've been living under a stay-at-home order since March. So, <laughs> yes. yes, you have. <laughs> That's just been my life. Uh, oh. Oh. Are you done? With yes, yours? ma'am. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that's just me. Yeah, I finally shut up. It's your turn. You <laughs> <laughs> um, the King of Clubs bar. That's it looked like a really fun place where I would want to hang out. It I did, did think of you. Tables, yeah. 
Yeah, I bet you have, they have ice cold Bud Light bottles. Mm, so cold. Mm-hmm. And probably some great local brews from Wisconsin. Oh, uh-huh. mm-hmm. Schlitz, is that from there? Um, her clothes. I wrote her clothes. And I think I meant the lady who was kidnapped, Jean. Oh, yes. the wife. Okay. Now, they, you know, she styled them in her own way, but I really enjoyed her clothes. Like her summer, she has some good sweaters and. <laughs> I think she had some good pieces in there. If we just styled them a little differently, they might be ah. Interesting. Are you are you going to buyers be listening the, the next season? Is it good or is it good or bad she shot Gayorn on her own? Don't know what that means. Oh, oh. She, at the end. <laughs> okay. Um like that was my notes kind of badass but like stupid so i couldn't decide if that was a good reheatable or a bad reheatable (laughs) i think i think you kind of have to go in because she she called for backup so backup was on the way but she's out by the lake she found him sure like where is he gonna go if she just stayed silent and creeped around you know he could leave. But I guess he did, she did see him, like, putting a body into a wood chipper. So, yeah. like, he's pretty. That's a, that's a you're going to get shot, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. A... Especially when you see all the dead bodies lined up on the street as you were approaching this crime <laughs> yeah. scene. Yeah, and just the mound of um, red slush. Yeah. That's not cherry. So. <laughs> Those are mine. Um, okay. The original theatrical poster of this film is in my top three favorite movie posters of all time. It is the, well, now when you look at it on the TV and stuff, it's, um, it's just a picture, but the original uh, theatrical poster is a cross stitch. Of the murder. Oh, yes. And it yes. says Fargo. And I think it says like the tagline is cross stitched and it's like something like a homespun murder. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Amazing. Um, the overall aesthetic of this film is fantastic. It spawned four seasons of a highly successful television show that mm-hmm. takes place within this Fargo universe that was created. And Joel and Ethan Cohen are, um, I think they're executive producers on the show. So, it, I mean, that's just the, the movie itself is a great reheatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I already mentioned the nice Minnesota accent. Marge Gunderson needs to head up her own cold case unit. Yeah, right? She is such a good police officer. I love how she expertly, um, she's at the car, I think it's with Lou, and Lou mentions something about the dealer tags, and she and she knows that he's wrong, and she has to, to word it in a way of like, oh, I don't know if I quite agree with your police work there, Lou. Yeah. And, and she has to like walk that line, and then... 
even though she so tactfully just, you know, gave a differing opinion that she knew was right, she still was in tune to his ego and he you could see that he kind of felt bad and she knew to pick him back up with a a nice little corny joke about license plates and stuff Mm -hmm. because she was like oh he like and even though she did it so nice to hit he and he still had his feelings hurt and she was just like oh here's another joke it's she's just putting in so much time and work you know jeez um, I love how much the Gundersons love to eat. <laughs> yeah. They went to that buffet and the she was just getting everything and I was like, "Oh man." It was all the same color? Yeah. But you're, you're just like, I don't are buffets going to survive? I think buffets are the buffet again. Yeah. I no, I mean the buffet at Circus Circus is turning into a um like a food court. And mm. if the buffet at Circus Circus can't survive, I don't know what yeah. can. I know. But just the idea of buffets, how you could just get everything, a little bit of everything you wanted so you didn't have to make a choice. And it's just, no. This is why we can't have nice things. Um, true. And my final best re- good reheatable, I already mentioned it, but the score, I love the score. It's just it just adds so much to the film of just the tension and just the homespunniness and ah, well done. Well, we are to quotables. Ooh. And I have the one you just mentioned. Uh, I'm not sure I'm a hundred percent with you on your police work there. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. The little guy was kind of funny looking. Uh, You should see the other guy. And my favorite. I guess that's your accomplish in the wood chipper. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Mine were when they first walk up to the uh, crime scene, like the car is flipped over. And He's got like, she's like, oh, he's shot in like the hand and it's like a hand and a head wound. And she said, I guess that's a defensive wound. <laughs> I don't know why it made me laugh. Uh, so I don't, so we got a trooper pull someone over. We got a shooting. These folks drive by. There's a high speed pursuit ends here. And then this execution type deal. And then she just takes a sip of her coffee. <laughs> um, oh, geez. Uh, I put this because I thought it would be fun to read fucking little weasel fuck you man you fucking motherfucking son of a bitch fucking look Jesus Christ you fucking shitbag motherfucker (laughs) and now we're my quotables well done I was just like Oh, man. All right. Well, to add, I have your darn tootin'. And when Carl says, blood was shed, Jerry. <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, To add on, you said he was a little guy, kind of funny looking. And he was like, funny looking how? He's like, 
oh, just in a general kind of way. <laughs> um, and then this one, I just, when I was throwing it on for the beginning, it made me laugh because uh, this is totally me. So they've been at the bar and um, Jerry comes in and Carl's mad because he's like, it's 830. And Jerry says, no, he, he, he he told me it was at 8.30. He was like, no, it was at 7.30. And Carl says, we've been sitting here an hour. He's pissed three times already. And I'm like, that's me. Oh, yeah, that's you guys. <laughs> three times Isn't in it? an hour. Yep, that would be me. <laughs> and she said, no, I'm fine. I just think I'm going to barf. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, okay, so we are to LVP. Uh, um, I'm just going to go with it. Steve Buscemi's teeth. Steve, oh, Steve Buscemi's teeth. People have, um, did you read how people, dentists have offered to fix his teeth? And he's like, I would never work again if I fix these things. Right. Oh it's true. It's true. Hmm. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, I originally wrote Minnesota accents. Oh. That's okay. You're but a, yeah. I switched it to money. Yeah. Oh. Because yeah, these people have seemingly perfectly fine life, but he probably had to buy her more than she, like he was trying to limit, keep his wife a certain way because she had a rich dad and he wasn't telling her like, how much money he spent on the house or the new furniture they bought or whatever. And I mean, what was the kid doing playing ice hockey? That's not cheap. Right. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, he's in like all this debt and now he's got to get, get somebody to kidnap her. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. Um, I have two. So my honorable mention is the father-in-law Wade because he he just underestimated how just dumb enough just how dumb Jerry was that his son-in-law was he thought that Jerry was just this guy who couldn't do anything you know but he didn't have to worry about him because he's like oh he's just a schmuck he's too you dumb know? To pull yeah he's too off. dumb and 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 there was that scene earlier in the film where Jerry was talking to Wade. I think it was like, you know, when he was trying to, to pitch him on the idea and Jerry says to Wade, I just want, you know, my daughter and my son to be taken care of. And the father-in-law is like, they're taken care of, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. not trusting you to look out for it. Like I have made sure that my daughter and my grandson are well taken care of because I know that you're, a schmuck and an idiot and you're in over your head but for some reason my wife loves you so whatever um and by underestimating him he ends up taking a bullet in the belly for all of this but my real lvp of this whole thing is scotty the son his mother's yeah. dead his father's going to jail for this whole botched kidnapping He's in high school. Like, this is this is totally going to mess up his life. 
Oh yeah. He, he's done. He's so traumatized. Yeah, he's His- going to do a documentary to try to find out what happened and there's going to be no conclusion. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> so that's okay. Well, fair enough. Um, maybe, maybe maybe there, there is a conclusion. Well, he's going to get, I don't know what the extended family situation is, but Wade's out of his grandpa's out of the picture. His mother's out of the picture. His father's going to jail. He's he's probably coming into a lot of money money. and he has a whole bunch of trauma. What could go wrong? Cocaine. (laughs) Probably not heroin. Yeah. And and opioids are going to be hitting. So. Yeah, he'll be at the peak of that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, MVP. Uh, mine is Frances McDormand. McDormand. I almost call her McDormand, but she's not. She's a duh. Dormand. Yeah, she was good. Part of what, uh, and this might be somebody's tasty nugget, and I apologize if I'm stepping on toes, but um, they wrote her extremely pregnant and, you know, like people kept thinking, oh, her water's going to break and she's going to, she, she never had to stop doing her job because yeah, she was pregnant. I like that. Yeah. And nothing stopped her from continuing to do her job. So yeah, I, I like that they wrote her character that way. She did get mm-hmm. nauseous. Yeah. But then she was like, yeah, and I'm fine. No, right. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. hungry. But, and then I'm hungry. Yeah. Because I just threw it all up. So mm-hmm. be very kind to women who are nauseous when they're pregnant. Okay. Who are you talking? Okay. Noted, I guess. <laughs> I'm on the pill, so. Well, that's nice for you. When I was pregnant with you, I had to sleep by the toilet. Morning, noon, and night. So there's that. Oh, you're welcome. Did you guys know that they sell Plan B at Target now? You can just pick it up. Like it's mm-hmm. like in the in the farm in the aisles. You don't even have to ask the pharmacist for it. Nope, you just pick it right up. Oh, oh. I went to Target. You missed the part where I went to. I found the Mecca Target Mecca today. Oh, I wasn't searching. I just found I was just looking for my melatonin and I was like, oh, wow, that's weird that you can just like buy that there. <laughs> you know, after she and Adam had a one off at work. <laughs> <That's so. damn> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, my MVP. Well, Adam said his MVP is Fargo. Just because, like, having that, like, it was like a character in itself, like, yes. having the city. My MVP was Norm and Margie. I loved them. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, she came home and had this crazy day, and she was still, like, very, like, he was just like, yeah, my duck got on the three-cent stamp. And she was, yeah. like, so happy for him. He's an artist. Yeah. yeah. I bet he has a kimono. My MVP are co-MVPs. The Cohen brothers. Because yes. they are they are my one of my top favorite filmmakers. Anytime they I've I haven't seen all of their films, but I'm working my way through and I do perk up anytime 
I hear of a new project that they're working on or something that they're doing just because I, I just, I just, I mean, they did Fargo. So they did this movie and then they follow it up with the big Lebowski. So people saw Fargo and then they are like, Oh, and and they go to see big Lebowski. And if you weren't alive in that time and going to see movies, you don't know how much like people were just, when they saw the big Lebowski a lot of people just didn't get or what is this and look how well it's aged um they we were in just the front them. row of that theater watching that yeah yeah i dragged the family to see it um i thought it was hysterical i love them there's always there's always something now there is one of their films the poppy just hates I think he hates more than just one. He's just only seen that no, one. The, he is so adamant about Hail Caesar. So. Yeah. Well, but so the Coen brothers and then Frances McDormand, who I don't know if I mentioned this, but she's married to Joel Cohen. You mentioned that last week and I didn't realize mm-hmm. that. And also um, William H. Macy, just the three yeah. of them just coming together yeah, I mean, and then also, I just have so many MVPs because then you have Roger Deakins, who I already said is on the Rushmore of great American cinematographers, and Carter Brunwell for his score. So it's just the, I'm just when everything high artists at working at their high level all come together, this is what you can get. It's nice. Tom um, Hanks said it was a perfect movie. Darn tootin'. Darn tootin'. Don't you know? Okay, I am so excited because we are two recasting. Ah. And our Christine, who usually passes at this time, mm-hmm. always passes, has two. 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 Ooh, recasting. Well, can I just go first? Because I just have the one, and it's going to pale in comparison. So I went with an all-time cast. Okay. Okay. So I could pick from wherever. Okay. As the wife, this I've never seen this woman in a in a film, but I you've heard her songs in car commercials this year. And I added it to my playlist, and then I saw that she was in movies, and I was very, I'm, I, I feel like in 2021 we're gonna do one of these movies because I am like, who, who is this woman? So as the wife, I put Betty Hutton. She's an an actress and a singer. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> so I'm like, I was. How do you know Betty Hutton? Because she has that song where it's like, shh, shh, it's all so quiet. Shh, shh. It's like the car commercial. It's a great song. I, I, I thought that it was um Judy Garland. And then oh. I had to do the Shazam and I was like, Betty Hutton. And then I read about her Wikipedia page. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. So I did that. As Gayer... The, you know, the, the Swedish guy, but not Swedish. I put Boris Karloff. Okay. As Carl, the Steve Buscemi, I put Peter Laurie. Okay. You know, with his eyes, his buggy eyes uh-huh. and stuff. As Jerry, 
I ran it back with with our guys from last week, Don Defoe. Defoe, he was he was mm-hmm. uh, I forget what it is in Fifth Avenue. It happened on Fifth Avenue. I thought that he would be a good. He was the father, right? No, he was the um the younger guy, who was oh, the veteran. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then as Marge, I have Ruby D. Oh, okay. So there you go. There's my all-time cast. Well, Christine, would you like me to go and then you do your two? Would you sure. like to do one? Yeah, no, we could do that. Well, mine is going to have uh, a little stronger comedy vibe. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did a Veep cast. Oh, wow. That's perfect. Mm. So the wife, Jean, is Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And her husband is Kevin Dunn. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Gayer is Timothy Simmons, Jonah. (laughs) Yeah, Jonah. So Carl... Is Tony Hale. <laughs> okay. Um, Margie is Sufe Bradshaw. She was the secretary. Oh, yeah. She was yeah. Sue, right? Yeah. She was so deadpan. Uh-huh. And my piece de resistance, Jerry, is Sam Richardson. Richard. <laughs> yeah, Richard. Richard as Jerry. I could see that. Always trying to say the right thing, but always saying the wrong thing. That's that's a good one, Ma. All right, Teeny. Christine is so excited. Well, I hope I don't you shouldn't be that excited. Uh, I hope not to disappoint. My re okay, my all-time, I guess is what you would call it. Oh, an all-time hype, yes. Uh I only did four of them. Gayer, that's how I see his name, would be Ryan Gosling. Oh, he yes. looked so the whole time. I was like, he looks so much like Ryan Gosling. Mm-hmm. I see it. Mm-hmm. Carl, that was his partner, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Danny DeVito. <laughs> yes. Jerry would be Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. totally, yeah. And then, oh, shit. What's her name? Marge. Marge. Edie Falco. Oh, yes. that's good. Yeah, that's a good one. Very good. So then for my second recasting, I did my tried and true. It's always sunny recasting, but I felt I like actually planned it. Like I felt confident about this one. It wasn't mm-hmm. like I was just thinking it while we were recording. Okay. So for Gare and Carl, Gare is Mac or Rob McEnany. Mm -hmm. Carl is going to be Charlie, Charlie (laughs) Kelly, Charlie Day. Jerry is Dennis, Glenn Howerton. And then who's Wade? 
Wade is the Wade father. is the father, the rich father. Oh, Danny DeVito. And this, in this, now in this recasting, the mm-hmm. father is played by Danny DeVito. Yeah, as mm-hmm. Frank. Marge is gonna be Sweet D. Yeah, Sweet D. She'd be a great Marge. And then Jean, the kidnapped wife, would be the waitress. That's a good. That's a good cast. Yeah, I thought so. I am so impressed. Wow. Well done. Okay, we are two tasty nuggets. Um, so Frances McDormand and the guy who played her husband, they came up with this whole backstory about um, how they decided which of them would be the the breadwinner in the family and um, it, it, like how they met, They, you know, and they just came up with this whole backstory that wasn't needed for the film, but was needed for their character development. Yeah, they met at the police. They were both police officers. They met at the police station. And then when they got married, they had to decide which one was going to quit. Um, Mm. And they decided that Marge would stay on because she was the better police officer. And the Norm, that's when he took up painting. With his kimono. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the part of Carl was written for Steve Buscemi. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, um, how to talk Minnesotan. Oh, everybody, they all had to like learn how to talk like a Minnesotan. Oh. Uh, this was William H. Bates's only Oscar nomination. Really? That's what it's on. Um, Gare had 18 lines of dialogue for the whole thing, and Steve Buscemi had 150. Damn. Mm-hmm. So. The Chipper Shredder is actually at the Fargo Moorhead Visitor Center. <laughs> <laughs> Would you want to see it? I don't know. Um, Okay, that's what I have. Uh, Aaron, you go. I'm, I'll go um, last. I have that in addition to Carl, Marge was written, you know, I mean, she's married to one of the guys writing it. And also, Gayer was written for him, Steven Stormeyer. Mm-hmm. Um, because he was supposed to play Eddie Dunn in the Coen Brothers film Miller's Crossing, but for some, I forget what the reason was, he wasn't able to play the role. <clears throat> so they, you know, when they were working on this, they're like, all right, we're going to write it sp- specifically for him. And um, the snowplow at the end, that's unscripted. They had signs that were posted, you know, that there's filming and don't travel through, but the state employee just disregarded it. He was like, hey, I got a, I got a road to plow, so all you Hollywood types, whatever. And I, I think it works perfectly in the movie, so that wasn't scripted. The pregnancy bump that Frances McNorman wears, she doesn't, usually they have like a, a suit and stuff, but... Um, it didn't have the right weight, so they made it out of bird seed to give her the right 
weight so that that would help out. And so she it didn't shift. Too. Yeah. And then, so she didn't have to, um, think about that because she had the weight. So she would automatically move. Do the hobble wobble. Yeah. Um, William H. Macy, he, I think he read for one of the parts and I forget. It's, it's another collaborator that the Coen brothers used a lot that they really wanted. I think maybe Richard Jenkins that they really wanted him to play it. And William H. Macy heard that they were doing auditions in New York city. And so he flew them. He flew there himself and he went into the audition and he pretty much said, um, look, if you don't hire me for this, you're making a terrible mistake. And he said that was the only time that he's ever done it because it could really, you know, misfire and stuff. But, um, yeah, they, they went with it and he, he nailed it. He, he was perfect. He said, for it. if you don't, hi I'll shoot your dogs. If you don't give this part to me. <laughs> oh, well, that's rude. That's a little much. No, I, I knew you wouldn't go for it. It's that. a bit much, but I mean, he is playing Jerry who is trying to kidnap his wife. So maybe they like the edge. They were like, Oh, okay. Look at this guy. Yeah, I don't know. Or they were just like, I like my dogs. I can't take a chance. Um, the Jerry stutters, they were scripted. Yes. That wasn't ad lib, that was scripted. Um, you already mentioned how it was shot in the winter of 1994 and 1995, and that was the least, the lowest snowfall ever. Um, and because it was important to them because they really wanted it to feel cold and unforgiving. The name of the film. So Fargo, the, not, the only thing that happens in Fargo is that first scene where they're at the bar. Everything else happens in Brainerd and Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. So there is some contention in Fargo because they're like, this isn't. Like this movie, like this movie has a name, but it wasn't shot here. It's has nothing mm -hmm. to do with here. But then some people are like, "But it's Fargo." So how did this movie that doesn't take place in Fargo? Why is it called Fargo? Because Fargo sounded a lot cooler than Brainerd. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you know, it just does. Um, there are a bunch of Stanley Kubrick references in the film. So, when Carl, um, it's at some point Carl says something about the old in and out, and that was from A Clockwork Orange, where he goes, yeah. the old in and out. Um, these boots are made for walking, was on, played in a car on, on the soundtrack at one point, and that's from Full Metal Jacket. And that kidnapping scene, you know, when he comes busting through the door, that was an homage to The Shining. Yes. I thought so. Mm -hmm. All right. yeah. And Peter Stormare, you know, the guy who played Gare, he's Swedish. So when he wasn't shooting his, you know, when he wasn't supposed to be on set, he would travel around to different towns with Swedish sounding names. Because there's, oh. there's a bunch of Swedish sounding names, you know, in that area, just because a lot of Swedish people um, my, immigrated to there. And he would just go around and be like, well, what is, what's this? And I bet yeah. that he got into some fun times. 
I'm sure he did. <laughs> um, mine. Well, we already talked about most of them. Oh well, Marge. What's her name in real life? Frances McDormand. She said she can't do the accent unless she's wearing her wig. <laughs> that was a wig. Um, yes, it was. The wife, Jean. What was her act the actress's name? Um, I I don't know. Oh wait, I do know. Um, um give me one minute. Uh Jean was Kristen Rudreed. 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 That was only her and the until she got kidnapped. And after that it was a double. Oh, really? There was like a bag over her head after that first scene, and after oh. that, it was a body double. Yeah, because I always get um uncomfortable when she's running around outside in the snow, and there's the tree oh, yeah. stumps, and she's barefoot. And I'm just, I know that's the least of your worries at that point of just stepping on a twig with your bare feet and it goes right in between your little toes and stuff but that's what i was thinking of and i'm like and then another voice in my head is like that's the least of her troubles aaron yeah seriously your baby toe would survive and i'm like but would it no (laughs) (laughs) that conversation at the car place was based that was based on a real conversation I don't remember who had had it, but they had just been like bought a car, and that was like basically verbatim what happened. Oh, yeah, the they undercoat. Didn't the, yeah, they didn't want the undercoating or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then this was probably more of a nerd alert, but I read up. I read into Hell Hell Hella Crafts. Hella H E L L E is her name. I thought it was Helen, but it's Hella Hella, mm-hmm. which is a hella cool name. Um, <laughs> she. <laughs> was the one murdered that was murdered and put through a wood chipper. Oh. Um, so this actually did happen in 1986. And she was a flight attendant and she was married to Robert Crafts. Yes. And in September of 1986, she had like hired a private detective because she suspected Robert of cheating on her. And sure enough, he like took pictures of Robert kissing another woman outside of their house, whatever. And then there was like a really big blizzard that came and well, one, well, basically, okay. So one night in November, her friends dropped her off at her house and they never saw her again. And she, he had a temper. So she had told her friends in the past, like, Look, if anything ever happens to me, don't think it was an accident. And so, like, he dropped, there was a blizzard, so he dropped um, the family off at some other family's house, but not her. And he had all kinds of stories about, like, what was happening. Um, But, like, nobody had seen her or talked to her. November 18th was the last time they'd seen her. And... So finally they, um, hmm. Okay. So he took his family on a vacation to Florida and they had had a nanny that had been there. Um, that was like, there used to be a stain in this area of the carpet and now it's gone. And so then the 
state troopers came and like investigated the house and there was a blood smear on the side of the bed. Um, and like there had been several unusual purchases around the time that she went missing, including a giant freezer <laughs> and the rental of a wood chipper and a chainsaw and a, oh, and, wow. and a tarp and some <laughs> um, So, uh, well, I guess maybe he already had the chainsaw, but then, no, he bought the chainsaw too. Okay. It was later found in Lake Zor covered in hair and blood that matched her DNA. Um, but then a key piece of evidence was Joseph Hine, who was a local man who had been driving the snowplow. And on November 18th, hours after she had last been seen, he was plowing the roads when he noticed a rental truck with a wood chipper attached, parked close to the shore of Lake Zor. The shore of Lake Zor. Um, and it was only after they had searched his house that they had that he, like this guy, reported what he's seen. Um, so they examined the that led investigators to examine the water's edge, and they found many small pieces of metal three ounces of human tissue, including the crown of a tooth, a fingernail covered in pink nail polish, bone chips, 2,660 bleached blonde human hairs, and O-type blood that was the same as hers. Um, so this led the police to conclude that she had likely been fed through the wood chipper. Um, so basically, like, he killed her, put her in the freezer for a few hours, chopped her up with a chainsaw, and then put her through the wood chipper. Right, uh, into the water, though, right? Yeah, into the water. Yes. Oh, so the lake wasn't... I mean, yeah. that was much smarter than in the movie, where, you know, he yeah. got away with it for a month and a half. Right. Um, wow. And this was the first time, and this is in Connecticut, it was the first time that they prosecuted somebody without a body. Uh, yeah. Um, basically, they just had to put the story together of what happened. Uh, and, uh, he was sentenced, he was found guilty and he was sentenced to serve 50 years in prison. However, at the time he was sentenced, there was a rule that there was a law that if you had good behavior and you did good work, you could get years taken off of your prison sentence. It's since been changed, but... He was released in January 2020 and is now living in a halfway house for people trying to get back into the real world. Wow. Ooh. Well, yeah. in 2020, in a halfway house. I mean, what a time. Like, ooh. Yeah. yeah. COVID's like, I because got something for you. And it, it takes something to be able to dismember a body, I would think. To well, be that's able to, why he froze it. Remove yourself from the fact that this is a human body that you yeah. are chopping up. And then shrub it <laughs> through the chipper shredder. I yeah. mean. Oh, that's. Well, they say divorce is expensive. I don't just divorce people just get divorced we don't have to That's kill each other a lot other. of work but you know i gotta say the the part that makes me sort of i know this is bad but in a, in a sense tip my cap to the man is the freezer the freezing it before 
chopping it up with the yeah, chainsaw. That was and smart, then, huh? Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Probably blood didn't go everywhere like exactly. In the movie. Well played. And then obviously the lake wasn't frozen, but it's just it's just funny how if it had been probably any other way he had disposed of the body and they couldn't find it, he wouldn't he would have gotten off probably. Mm-hmm. It was the you rented a you bought a chainsaw, a freezer, and a wood chipper. <laughs> we don't have a, a body. Duty wood chipper. <laughs> so that's you were just a, a a touch too smart for your own good, my man. Yeah. But but hey, I'm gonna assume he was a white man, so it's all right. You'll yeah, you'll is. do what twenty years and get out. You know. Yep. Mean, meanwhile, we have another. He did, he did thirty. Yeah. Meanwhile, we have another young black man shot in the back by police in Ohio this week. So mm-hmm. awesome. And that is Fargo. <laughs> Next week, Aaron. It's me. Well, I know. I've prepared. I was like, oh, what are we going to do? I'm going to go with a newer classic, although it's not really that new because it's 30 years old, which I can't believe. It is available on Disney+. Plus. I remember vividly seeing it. I, get, I don't think it was when it came out because we were in Germany, so we probably saw this in the summertime. <laughs> in 1990 but I haven't seen it in a really long time and I think it's probably the name is appropriate and I'm I, I'm, I'm just excited I'm kind of excited to to see it again Home he, Alone yep Home Alone and, oh. and perfect for you she has been Home Alone and because I have been Home Alone mm-hmm. so I was like oh right. That's the a original. fun one. The original that Home is. Alone. I don't remember the last time I've even seen it all the way through. Yeah, it'll be yeah, interesting. All the way to through, I'm not sure. I know we had it on on Thanksgiving Day, but not watching it. And it's wild to me because I remember seeing it, and I'm the same age as Macaulay Culkin. And when I saw it in the 90s, 1990, so I was 10 years old, I remember looking at it and I'm like, he's a little kid. Like, yeah. I don't remember watching the movie and being like, oh, he's my age. I remember being like, oh, he's a little kid. And I remember his talk boy because Adam wanted a talk boy and he would only refer to it as Home Alone. Like he referred to Macaulay Culkin's character <laughs> as Home Alone. So he'd be like, remember, remember what Home Alone did? And remember when Home Alone was, <laughs> and remember Home Alone? <laughs> That'll be fun. That'll mm-hmm. be a fun one. Well, listeners, we hope you've enjoyed our redoing of Fargo because we did. It's a it yeah. Just look it up, Netflix. Just just nice nice clean fun. Well, not not quite clean, but um, <laughs> lots of blood splatter. But other than that, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, what did you think of it? So. Um, I don't think I had any public service announcements to give, so 
stay safe. Keep wearing your mask. Wash your hands. Stay six feet apart. And we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.